Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Logan Blackman Show podcast, the Basement Podcast. I guess we're that's the unofficial name of the Logan Blackman Show now. They have the Basement Podcast. That's what we're gonna go with. That's what we're gonna stick with, and I hope you enjoy it. But I think you all know <laughs> what we're doing today. I think it's very apparent what we are doing today. Obviously. Very obviously, we are going to be talking about the 2020 NFL Draft. Last night was the first round with some surprises. Some other not very surprising other things that I saw were like, I overanalyzed this a little bit. This is where I did something bad. I did, I'm not happy with myself here. I should have done something else, pretty much. That's, that's pretty much the extent of it is that... I just overanalyze things, which I'm I'm done, I'm good at. I'm really good at overanalyzing things. I do that all the time throughout my life. It's just like I just it's just you. I'm just used to it at this point, pretty much. It's just yeah. I don't know. It it was just hard watching, or some parts were hard watching because I was like, I thought that, but didn't actually put it in my mock draft 5.0, which I released yesterday. So if you want to go look at that and compare it to the 2020 NFL Draft, the first round, and go ahead and do that. I worked on it all day yesterday. It sucked. I was so tired. I posted a picture on Instagram, like, the minute after I was done with the draft. And I was just, my hair, I didn't even have to do anything to my hair. My hair was just naturally messed up for me, just, like, putting my hands in my hair, like, oh, my God, I can't do this pick. I don't know what to do. This is stupid. And that, it was just out of frustration. My eyes hurt. My eyes hurt today. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep recently. I had a Mountain Dew yesterday. I'm drinking a Mountain Dew right now. So it's just like, it's a struggle. You would think not having to go to class every day would be a, be the easy thing. It's not. It hasn't gotten any easier. For me anyways. Now doing this, along with doing school, along with working for my dad. And also, speaking of random things and just doing everything today. We got an interview pending with Austin Fife, you and I starting center for the basketball team. That will be coming out sometime later today. The interview is scheduled to be at 1.30. So we will release the video sometime this afternoon, so stay tuned for that. We'll also have the podcast up today. It's just going to be a busy day. I woke up early, had to take my sister's car to the mechanic to get the brakes fixed. I believe that's what the problem is with it. And yeah, got up around 6.50, did my draft grades, wrote some questions down, and I also got two assignments due later today. So this is just going to be a fun day. This is going to it's gonna be a blast. <laughs> just a, a great all-around day. But enough jibber-jabbering here. We got stuff to talk about. And last night for the NFL draft, I told you on Wednesday that Tyler and I one of my childhood friends who I've known, he's probably the person I've known the longest out of all my friends. I've He's a week younger than me. And it's kind of funny. It's really interesting because he is born on the same day, same year as my former uh, co-host and producer of On Press Row, John Leo. Born the exact same day. John's from Old Wine, though, so they weren't in the same hospital, though, so that's not, that's the thing that's different. But it's kind of crazy when John and I were talking about birthdays up in Cedar Falls, it was like, when's your birthday? Oh, November 17th. Oh, wait, November 17th. Jeez, that's the day of my friend Tyler's birthday. So John's birthday is easy to remember now. But Tyler 
is somebody I've known my entire life pretty much. His dad and my dad were best friends in high school, and we grew up together. And we went, we go to different schools now, but we keep, we still stay in touch. And last night we did a mock draft, or not mock draft, uh, draft coverage. Plan to do it on Facebook Live. Facebook Live is a pain in the rear end. And I'll just say that. I got it working, and I couldn't figure out how to get him in it. I don't know if it's just me being stupid. I think that was the problem. You're dealing with someone that doesn't use Facebook all that often, especially Facebook Live. So I just didn't know what to do. I was I was scrambling. The draft was starting. I was getting frustrated. And it was even worse because it, the camera was on. So everybody else who was watching the stream, and there was like eight or nine people watching at that beginning of the draft. And, oh my goodness, I was getting frustrated, to say the least. My sister and dad were sitting downstairs making fun of me the entire time. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my camera shuts off. And I can't turn it back on for whatever reason. And then I asked Tyler to send a link. And he does it. He can't figure it out. So then we just go on Instagram Live. And from pick one, from about, like, I would guess with, like, two minutes left on the clock or something. I don't remember exactly how much time was left on the clock for the Bengals. But after that, we were on Instagram Live the entire draft. We were on there for four hours last night. Four hours talking about the draft. We were like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. Or Daniel Jeremiah and Mike Mayock. He's a Raiders fan, so Mike Mayock makes a lot of sense. But Mike Mayock on NFL Network, not now. But man, I got so tired at the end of the night. The thing started at 7. We got done around 11.15. Like, it was crazy. Instagram Live, I didn't realize this at the time, but has a time limit for how long you can be on it. And it's an hour. There's four separate clips of us talking. So if you want to watch a whole four-hour coverage of a draft with two random people that you know, or maybe you don't know, I don't know, go watch that live, because it's still on Tyler's Instagram story, it's saved from last night, uh, it was fun to do, had an b- absolute blast doing it, but it got taxing around pick 20, then I was like, oh my god, this is, we still got 12 more picks in this thing, and then I was just, I just, we just toughed through it. I had to stand up by the end of the night because I was like, I i can't sit down anymore. One, because I had to go to the bathroom. Two, because I was afraid I was going to start dozing off or something. But main thing was because I went to the ba- I had to go to the bathroom. Never left the stream. We had some technical difficulties with the Instagram stream at the beginning of it. And like I, it, would tur- it would cut my audio off randomly and it kicked me out. So then I had to go on Wi-Fi because I was off Wi-Fi for most of it. So I got back on Wi-Fi, and then we were doing good, and then I accidentally left to go to Bleacher Report because I was trying to swipe up on something. I think it was the Jerry Judy pick for Denver, and I accidentally clicked it instead of swiping up on it, and it completely, completely screwed everything up. It was terrible. I was like, no, we were doing so well. Why did I have to do this? But it was it was a lot of fun. Thank you for everybody that tuned in. Parks, if you're listening to this, Parks stayed on the pretty much the entire time. Parks is, for those of you who don't know, big time hockey guy. Knows every little tidbit about the sport of hockey. Played hockey, big time Washington Capitals fan. Um, he did rub it into me when the Blackhawks lost the Blues a few years ago in the playoffs. Uh, the second to last year, the Blackhawks were in the playoffs. That wasn't very fun. <laughs> but Parks stayed on the entire night. He was asking questions the entire night, and I loved it. 
Then I'd have some other people like Johnny saying my thing's irrelevant because my mock draft sucks. Johnny don't know what he's talking about. But yeah, it's a good questions every now and again. Team People would file in when their pick was on. I could tell when my friends were coming into the chat or the live stream. And I was like, okay, Jared and Noah are coming on because the Vikings pick is up. Oh, here comes Brady because the Chiefs pick is up. Like, it was just random pick. You could see people join in when their team's pick was coming on. So that was pretty cool because then you had to talk about what player you thought the team was going to get. And we both, I think we did a very, very good job. Now, I'm a little biased because I was a part of it. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be biased about it. But we're th- we were talking about doing something tonight. We're not going to cover the entire draft tonight because it's two rounds and that's just very long. I'm definitely not doing it tomorrow because that's four rounds, four, five, six, seven. That's that's a no go. We're not doing anything like last night, tonight, and tomorrow. That's just not going to happen. I don't think it's possible on Instagram Live. That's just that's just too long. That's like twelve hours of draft coverage that I can't do. <laughs> Because we're not getting paid to do this. And I don't want to sit there for 12 hours and have only like two people join. That's not that's not ideal, I guess you could say. But last night was a blast. I enjoyed every second of doing that draft coverage with Tyler. And look more look forward to doing more stuff with him in the future. But yeah, just a side note. I said this at the beginning. Facebook Live sucks. Maybe it's just because I don't know how to do it. But... I would recommend doing Instagram Live. And before we dive right in to the NFL, my thoughts on the draft last night, every single Friday for like the past two weeks, I've been doing this thing called Friday Fun Day. It's kind of like a substitution for unit of the week since there's no sports going on right now. So we don't have a lot of unit of the week. Okay. And um, yeah, so there's nobody doing anything unit worthy out there, I guess, or no units doing anything that I can see right now. So we changed it up. Uh, John Leo, who I mentioned earlier, started doing, he's done tier lists. Like when we first got into quarantine or whatever you want to call it, like when this first got shut down, when sports got canceled all across the world, he was posting tier lists left, right, and center. So he was like, Logan, I'm expecting you to post some on the Logan Blackman show account. So I've been doing it recently. I think the first week we did one was my favorite sports teams or how I feel about American sports teams. Uh, the second week was uh, the number one overall picks in the draft. And I think it's since 1998 was when that list was made. And today, we did Disney movies. Yes. Had to do the Disney movies. And um, so for the top tier, I feel like this was an easy one for the top tier. Toy Story, Lion King, Finding Nemo, and... Yeah, it's it was just a easy one for the top tier. I think those are the top movies of all time. Toy Story, Legend, even the the second two or the two and three are just mwah, another great one as well. Lion King, easily talked about as one of the greatest movies of all time. And same with Finding Nemo as well. Um, team people that were close or movies that were close to the S tier. Uh, Peter Pan, Tarzan was one that was one of my favorites. Got the best soundtrack out of any Disney movie made. And I don't want to hear you guys saying Frozen or uh, what other movie, Moana or people team movies like that. Toy Tarzan has is goaded on the sticks when it comes to 
soundtrack. Uh, Monsters, Inc. was close there as well. Emperor's New Groove, I don't think a lot of people liked me put it up there, but I love the Emperor's New Groove. That's my... <laughs> when I go over and babysit my Nana and Papa's dog, that's the movie I always throw on because that's what they have. So I'm like, oh, I gotta watch the Emperor's New Groove. Love that movie. Other movies here... Uh, Cars could have been very, very close. But, yeah, then um, the movies I haven't seen... Um, I haven't seen Coco. I haven't seen Inside Out. Uh, Ralph Wrecks the Internet. Planes. Planes 2. Moana. Frank and Weenie. Uh, I can't even read that one. Down, the Down Unders. I haven't seen that move, those movies at all. I've never seen those movies. And then we got uh, Cars 3. Is, or Cars 2. My bad. Cars 2 is awful. The Space Cars or whatever they are. That movie is terrible. I watched Cars 3 while I was at William Penn. And I accidentally had them mixed up with Cars 2 and Cars 3, so I had to flip-flop those really, really, really quick. But, yeah, I think that's... Go check out the tier list. I posted it on Twitter, at the underscore LB underscore show, so go check it out. Uh, posted around 9.30. It's 10.08 right now. Again, we're doing the show a little bit earlier today, so this will be posted up a little bit sooner than than it usually is because we got an interview to do today. I got other stuff I got to do today. I got homework to do. I didn't have any Zoom meetings today, so that's another reason why I can get this out of the way now instead of doing it at, like, 11 or noon like I've been doing, and the interview thing also puts a side note on things for this, but, yeah, go check that out on Twitter. Go follow the Logan Blackman Show and all the, all the like, social media accounts. Logan Blackman Show on Twitter, as I said, at the underscore LB underscore show. Logan Blackman Show Instagram, search that, the is the thing show, thing that you put at the beginning, the Logan Blackman show. Make sure you add that in there because if you don't, it probably won't pop up. Or it might, I don't know. We haven't we haven't been that we haven't been goaded yet to where we can claim that we are the the of that. We're the the of the Logan Blackman show names, but that's about it. Get us to a hundred followers too on Twitter. So if you haven't followed it, go follow it. I think we're at like 85 or something. Yeah, 85 followers. And so, yeah, go go follow the Logan Blackman Show if you're not doing so already. I would very much appreciate it. And while you're at that, go like the Facebook page. We just got to 98 likes on the Facebook page. Get that sucker to 100. Get the Logan Blackman Show page to 100. If you haven't liked the Logan Blackman Show Facebook page, go and like it. Okay? Please go and like it. We're at a 98 likes. We are so gosh darn close to 100 likes. Two more. We just got one last night. Get another one in there. We post all the the podcasts and stuff on SoundCloud and Spotify, so go follow the accounts on those two things. We just recently started doing SoundCloud again because we were off that for a little bit, but now we are back on it. So, yeah, go follow all of that stuff. I don't really care about the Instagram account. You can follow that or not. I really don't care. I lost a follower yesterday on that, so you can follow it or not. I don't, the Instagram account doesn't bother me. It's the Twitter and the Facebook, mostly Facebook, that I like the most. That's why I wanted to do the Facebook Live yesterday because I feel like more people will get drawn to that. But, you know, Instagram's cool too, I guess. I just don't go on Facebook enough to util- know how to utilize Facebook Live. That just that might just be me being uh, ignorant and uh, just being stupid, I guess you could say. So, yeah. I don't know, but let's get into the meat and potatoes of this, and that is the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft took place last night. We've delayed this long enough. 
we are how long are we into the show right now we are 15 about 16 minutes exactly into the show and we have yet to say anything about the first round of the nfl draft this is not really ideal it's not it's not ideal really is it no well last night uh the buffalo bills did not have a first round pick got stefan diggs uh from the minnesota vikings the vikings used that pick to take justin jefferson so would the bills rather have justin jefferson or stefan diggs i think the bills are perfectly fine with stefan diggs I love Stephon Diggs. He's a very talented wide receiver. His brother should go sometime in the second draft. Maybe he goes to the Bills. Bills are looking for a corner opposite Trey White. I like Levi Wallace, but he was very inconsistent last year. Lost his job at times. There's games he didn't even play. He would suit up but didn't play. So that is a weakness they could be looking to fix on the defense. I think the edge rushers are a spot they could look at as well. And another linebacker to get with Tremaine Edmonds. And Matt Milano. If they can get Zach Bond from Wisconsin, that would be an absolute steal. Wherever the Bills are in the second, I don't even remember what pick they have. But if they could get Zach Bond, that would be awesome. I think, uh, I can't remember his first, I think it's Tay from Oregon. I think it'd be a pick there. But let's just go over real quick the entirety of the first round of the 2020 NFL draft. With the first pick, the Bengals took Joe Burrow. Not very surprising there at all. The Redskins, same thing. Chase Young. And number three, the Lions. Clean sweep, one, two, three. It was the ob- those were the obvious picks. I uh, toyed with the idea of putting Derek Brown in a Detroit, but ended up not going with it. Thought Jeff Okuda was the more surefire player there for the Lions to fit their defense. The Giants went with Andrew Thomas to some surprise. To others, not really because there are reports the entire like month. So it was kind of interesting. At the end of the season, Andrew Thomas was the unquestioned number one tackle in the draft. Like everybody was like, yeah, he's the best tackle. And then like the combine came, and around the combine time, he started dropping off. Then we started talking about Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, and Jedrick Wills. Andrew Thomas was the consensus fourth tackle at that point. With people rotating between Wirfs and Wills as the best tackle, with some people going Becton because of the size. But Andrew Thomas fell off. And then, um, like, two weeks before the draft, rumors started kicking up that Andrew Thomas was going to be the first tackle taken in the draft. And I had him the second tackle in the draft, but he did go first to the the New York Giants. There was reports that the Giants loved Tristan Wirfs. Because of the combine, Dave Gettleman said he loved Tristan Wirfs. They were enamored with him shortly after the combine is what reports were. And the also were linked heavily to Jedrick Wills because of Joe Judge, the new head coach of the New York Giants, being a former Alabama assistant coach working with Wills while at Alabama. But I'm not terribly surprised that Thomas went number four because that was what was talked about a lot, like a week or so before the draft. Uh, the Dolphins took two attack of Viola. Not surprising to me at all. I don't. I think I had Tua going to the Dolphins every single time except for my third mock draft, which is where I had the Chargers trading up to get Tua. Tua was not going to go after Justin Herbert. I refused to believe that the entire time. There was too much. Like when you talk too much about something, or when you're lying about something. Let's just put it like this. If you're lying about something, you try to over-explain it. And you're like, and people looking at you like, 
okay? I didn't need this all this information. You're kind of proving to me that you're not really innocent here. Why are you going crazy like this? It was kind of the same thing with the lot, the Dolphins here with Tua. You don't tank for Tua, get high off Tua highlights like the owner Steven Ross was doing, and not take Tua. I refuse to believe that he was not going to Miami unless someone traded above them to get Tua. It was the perfect smoke screen. Nobody bought it, though, which I'm very happy no one bought it because I think they could all see right through it as well. Even the Giants and Lions tried to get in on it. The Dolphins were never taking Justin Herbert. It was the perfect smoke screen, though. Beautiful. The only thing that didn't work with the smoke screen is actually people trading up to get Herbert. Other than that, they worked that thing beautifully. But I never bought it. I'm sorry. I never bought that Justin Herbert would go before Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think I had that in any of my mock drafts. And the only time I had the Dolphins not taking Tua was mock draft 3.0, I believe, because I had Tua going to the Chargers. I think that's the only time I've done that. So Tua to the Dolphins, obvious there. The Chargers at six took Justin Herbert. Again, I should have seen this coming. I did see it coming, and I just didn't do it. I do think, though, that if the Giants went with worse or wills, I think the Chargers would have gone with Andrew Thomas. I, the reports were they loved Andrew Thomas. Sure up that left side of the O-line because they have shored up the right side. They got Brian Balaga and Trey Turner and Pouncey. So from center over to right side, they have a solid offensive line. You look at the left side, though, you traded Russell Okung to the Carolina Panthers last year. Now, you did draft a lineman in the third round last year, but I don't remember what his name was. So he might be just slotting in the left tackle. They feel comfortable in doing that. At the time, though, it did seem like a reach for the Chargers, but if they feel like he'll fit and work perfectly in that offense, go ahead, more power to you. And I like the Herbert pick for the Chargers because, again, Anthony Lynn has always said, as long as he's been the head coach of the Chargers, you want he wants mobility in a quarterback. You do not the era of the immobile quarterback is over. That is what he said pretty much the entire time. Ever since he has been the head coach. So it was constantly linked, at least when Philip when he first came there, Philip Rivers was going to be out the door. Tyrod Taylor fits what he does perfectly, and I do believe Anthony Lynn really likes Tyrod Taylor. But I know Tyrod Taylor. I've watched him in Buffalo. I know he's not the franchise guy that you look for. He can he's not gonna do anything to mess it up. He's a younger version of Alex Smith. That's exactly what he is. You like him, he's a very good person, but he's not gonna win you games. He's not gonna turn it over, and he's not gonna do anything risky. He's just a very calm quarterback and mobile. That's that's what he is. And what you see is what you get. You're not getting anything special out of him. I think that's what the Chargers were looking for. You cannot win a Super Like, Look at the Chiefs. They drafted Patrick Mahomes because they felt they weren't going to win with Alex Smith. And they were right. They won with Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert has the mobility, has the arm strength, has the size, has this brains to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I think he could fit in really well with the Chargers and learn a lot from Tyrod Taylor. Because the one thing that he lacks is consistency. That's his biggest problem since since he left Oregon, his two best games at Oregon, and this is what's been talked about a lot, are the Rose Bowl, where he didn't throw a touchdown, he ran for three, and the Senior Bowl, which is just a glorified scrimmage. Those are his two best games 
in college. So that's a thing that can be concerning. If you look at some of the throws he makes, he can make every throw in the field. But sometimes he lacks it and doesn't let. He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. That's my compare. Like Josh Allen can make every throw on the football field. But sometimes some of his throws are a little off. They're very similar in that regard. And I, Josh Allen went seventh overall, Justin Herbert number six. I think they're very so. Josh is a little bigger, like weight wise, but around the same height, cannons of an arm. Josh got a stronger arm and is more mobile, but they both have that inconsistency issue when throwing. I think working with Tyrod will be very beneficial for Justin Herbert. Unlike with Josh Allen, who had to deal with Nathan Peterman as his as his mentor, and then Derek Anderson and now Matt Barkley, so he had to kind of learn on the fly. I think this will work perfectly for Justin Herbert. And you got all those weapons outside: Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. You got some beasts on the outside. Austin Eckler, a receiving back. Josh, uh, Justin Jacobs or Jake, J- Justin Jackson can catch the ball to the backfield as well. You got some pieces on that offense. I think it would work out beautifully for the L.A. Chargers. And their new uniforms, whoo, I like it. Uh, the Panthers went Derek Brown. The Cardinals went Isaiah Simmons. I had that flipped in my mock draft. I had Isaiah Brown, Simmons to the Panthers, Derek Brown to the Cardinals. I did think the Cardinals were going to go defense, but I didn't know which one. I knew if either one of those were available, they were going to take them. And it happened both of them were available, so they were just going to take whoever the Panthers didn't. It makes sense for the Panthers to take Derek Brown. They, their run defense was one of the worst in the league last year. But I like the positionless football that Isaiah Simmons brings. I thought that's what Matt Rule would like. But Derek Brown fills a very big position of need for the Panthers. Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals. They listed him as an outside linebacker. I think that's key here. Because if you pair him on the outside with Chandler Jones, your defense is just got a lot more scary. You have a defense on the outside. You have uh, Chandler Jones and now Isaiah Simmons. That's crazy. That's going to be an amazing defense. for, Or not amazing defense. A really good pass rush and a much improved defense for the Cardinals. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars went C.J. Henderson. I had him going number nine to Jacksonville. Or number nine. I just had him going to the Falcons. <laughs> there was reports that the Falcons were trading up for C.J. Henderson the entire week. But the thing that made the mo- the may- I should have thought about the Falcons have like five, four or five draft picks. They couldn't really afford to trade up from sixteen all the way into the top ten. They don't have that many picks, which is something I should have thought about. And I've been doing drafts on the Draft Network, and if you go to the Draft Network and make trades, you can make the you could choose which picks. So I have seen what the Falcons have. It's not a lot. So. For what it would have taken them to get to the top 10, I am I should have just known that and go, it's not happening. But C.J. Henderson to the Jaguars makes a lot of sense. They love their Florida players. They needed a corner, take the best one available. Browns, Jedrick Wills, again, same thing as Henderson. Had Wills here. Had him going to the Buccaneers, though. The Buccaneers were rumored of trading up, which they did, I guess, technically. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. I did have Wills going here. I should have just said the Browns will take the best tackle available. There are reports they were enamored with uh, Ezra Cleveland, and I bought that. I shouldn't have because Ezra Cleveland's just not a good. He's just not as good as Jedrick Wills. So I think this is a smart pick by the Browns. He can play both right and left tackle, and at Bama, 
he basically protected, he was the blindside blocker for Tua because Tua is a left-handed quarterback. He played right tackle at Bama, but I think he can transition easily over to left tackle. Tristan Wirfs played both left and right tackle with ease at Iowa. I think it's very easy for an offensive lineman like Wills' caliber to transition to the left side of the O-line and just still be that blindside blocker for Baker Mayfield. I also think the Browns really liked Andrew Thomas as well, which I think is another reason why I had them trading back. He was, I think, their number one on their board. But Jedrick Wills, easily one of the top two tackles in this draft. I just didn't think they'd have Thomas. Ab- I, I just, I had Wirfs as my number one, and I had Jedrick Wills as two. And then as we got closer, I had Andrew Thomas three and uh, Mekhi Becton four. And as we got even closer, I had Andrew Thomas at number two. I moved him above Jedrick Wills. But it was like a one, 2A, 2B with Becton at four. But that didn't happen. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Becton went number 11 to the Jets. Had that one. Had that one spot on. Big guy. Joe Joe Douglas, their GM, is a lineman or former lineman. Um, and he even said people make mistakes all the time. He likes Makai Becton. Protect Sam Darnold. The thing they also would like about Becton is his ability in the run game blocking. A very good run blocker, which is something that Le'Veon Bell needs. And I was talking about this on the live stream last night. The Giants and Jets are very similar. Like, not just in where they play, they have the same problems. <laughs> like, if you look at their offense, they have a young quarterback, a talented do-everything running back, no line and no wide receivers. Like, that, it, they're the same team. They just wear different colors. They, literally, they even play in the same stadium. Like, they're the exact same team. I think the Giants are a better team going into this year. I think they've done more things this offseason to improve their team. But I don't know. We'll have to, I don't know who's better. I don't know who I would take over Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones because they, bo- they both do things that are very stupid. Daniel Jones fumbled 18 times last year. He only started like 12 games. How do you fumble 18 times in a season? That is insane. He needs to get the fa- that figured out because – as a former quarterback, there's nothing that annoys a coach more than a fumble in any position. If you fumble, that's the most annoying thing for a coach. And the most annoying part of a fumble is the mesh point fumble. That is the most annoying. And a fumbled snap is another one. You just don't fumble. That's the key thing. Coaches hate fumbling. That is the, every coach's pet peeve is a fumble. Sam Donald struggled with that a little bit his last year at USC. And getting Becton will help that. Uh, the Raiders at 12, they took Henry Ruggs. Uh, there was, I did believe that Ruggs was in the running to be the first wide receiver taken because of his speed. Raiders, their whole history has been built on speed kills. Now that has hurt them in the past. Ty, uh, Tyler brought Darius Hayward Bay last night. That has hurt. But Henry Ruggs is a legit wide receiver. He's had one drop in 139 targets at Bama. He was considered the alpha of the wide receiver group. And I don't care that he didn't have a lot of yards at Bama. You look at Josh Jacobs last year. Josh Jacobs didn't have a lot of rushing yards last year for Bama. He was the second leading rusher behind Damian Harris at Alabama. So it wasn't even like they actually, did Damian Harris go out last year or was he two years ago? I can't remember. But uh, I'm not going to look at that because Alabama has the deepest receiving core in college football. And I love LSU's receiving core with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. They might be the best duo in college, or were, but out of like a full unit, no one beats Alabama. You had Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. Who has that type of receiving core? 
They were doing rock, paper, scissors to see which route each player gets. Because they're all capable of running each route. I'm not going to look at the stats that Henry Ruggs put up and say that that concerns me, because it doesn't. Um, the thing I love about him is his running, his speed, his leadership, and his catching ability. Because you could be fast, but if you drop balls, that's not a good recipe for success. Uh, the Buccaneers traded up one spot for Tristan Wirth, so they were right. They did trade up. Perfect pick. Uh, kind of surprised he fell to 13. I had him going number four. But again, I was teeter-tottering between uh, Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirth's at number four to the Giants. Should have, again, I should have listened to the reports of Andrew Thomas more. That that pisses me off. But this is a perfect pick for the Bucks. I think he got put in the best situation out of all the tackles taken, really. You're going to protect Tom Brady. You're going to put in an offensive line. You're going to instantly improve that offensive line day one. And it makes sense that they traded up. It might, Though it was only for one spot, they... That is a smart trade because you have teams like the Dolphins that are sitting behind them that are needed for a tackle. The Broncos have expressed interest in a tackle. The Vikings could have, could have moved up and looked for a tackle. So it made sense that they did the trade, even if it was for one spot, because that's a great pick for them. The Niners took Javon Kinlaw, had that pick, I think, in the live mock draft. So I guess we can count that. <laughs> the live mock draft we did on, I guess you could call it live, the radio show mock draft, I guess we could post, we said we got that. Uh, the Denver Broncos got Jerry Judy at 15, had that one in the mock draft, fits really well, great, really good number two option for the Broncos with Cortland Sutton already there. The Falcons took A.J. Terrell at 16, again, should have seen this coming, the reports that he was going to go in the top 16 or top 17. I had him going 19 to the Raiders, which I think was a guy the Raiders were targeting at 19 if he fell to them, but the reports were the Falcon that he was going to go in the top 16. And it makes sense. He's the number three corner on my big board, I guess you could call it. So it makes sense for the Falcons to get the next best available corner. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know how they pulled this off, but C.D. Lamb, I don't know how that happened. That is absolutely crazy to me. I had him going to the Raiders at 12, but it made perfect sense why the Raiders went with Ruggs. It was between Ruggs and C.D. Lamb for the Raiders. That's what it was. It was constantly Ruggs. Lamb, because reports were Mike Mayock loved CeeDee Lamb, Gruden loved Henry Ruggs. Because you already got, it makes sense for Ruggs on another reason, because they got already Tyrell Williams, a very big-bodied wide receiver. If he stays healthy, he's a very good number two option, a very big-bodied wide receiver. He had a 1,000-yard receiver receiving season while playing for the Chargers. He just needs to stay healthy. And Ruggs, with his ability to stretch the field, will be awesome for the Raiders. Now, Derek Carr's arm's not the strongest, but I think it'll still work there. But CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys, they're just trying to make Dak Prescott happy. I had a sneaky suspicion that the Cowboys would go wide receiver. I didn't think it'd be Lamb because I didn't think he'd be available. I was leaning more towards Jefferson. But get a slot guy to replace Randall Cobb. But this guy, Lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke, and Dak. Man, Cowboys, I joke about this all the time. I even joked about it in my mock draft, if I remember right. No, there's two things that are consistent in this. There's, there's what is what is the saying? There's only two certains in this world: death taxes, or three things certain in this world: death taxes and the Cowboys underachieving. Goes better. It's more American than football. More American than beer. Budweiser. More American than peanut butter and jelly. More American than baseball. The Cowboys underachieving. 
But they got CeeDee Lamb, so you know what? They'll probably go 9-7 and seven this year instead of 8-8. Eight and eight. That's probably what's going to happen now. Uh, the Miami Dolphins took Austin Jackson. Had that pick right. That was what the consensus was going into the draft. Daniel Jeremiah, Matt Miller both had Austin Jackson there. They went for potential and took him at 18. Josh Jones was a logical take there as well. He was constantly linked to the Dolphins ever since the combine pretty much. But he didn't even get taken in the first round. I didn't have him in the first round in my last mock draft. I had Ezra Cleveland, Josh Austin Jackson, and Isaiah Wilson as my second tier of tackles in the draft. One of those guys didn't get drafted. We'll talk about that in a little bit. My first surprise of the draft came at 19 with Damon Arnett. Um, this guy was not incredibly high on a lot of people's boards, not on mine anyways. I had him as my ninth or 10th best corner in the draft. But, hey, if the Raiders got their guy, they feel if they like him, then good on them. Because I'm not going to sit here and say he can't play. I don't know enough about him because everybody's talked about Jeff Okuda. But that is just typical Raiders. Like the Cowboys underachieving, the Raiders and the Seahawks are just known for overdrafting. They overdrafted last year. They overdrafted with Darius Hayward Bay. They have a his. They took Sebastian Janikowski in the 17th pick in the first round. That's overdrafting. I don't think anybody was targeting him in the first round. Now, it worked out, but they didn't need to take him in the first round. This is a, just another example of the Raiders overdrafting. Damon Arnett, very talented corner. And I think a thing that pushed him up a lot of or a lot of teams' boards was Jeff Okuda speaking about him on ESPN. I think that was something that was very big to help him move up boards. But, hey, if the Raiders think they like their guy, go ahead and take him. I thought Jalen Johnson here, but we'll talk about Jalen Johnson as we go down the board. Uh, Jaguars took Javon Kinlaw, or uh, not Javon Kinlaw, Kalevon Chison. Makes sense. They're losing, uh, they're going to lose Yannick Ngakwe. Just improve your defense. The Jaguars thing that got them the AFC Championship game was their defense. Their secondary and their pass rush. They were called Saxonville. Why? Because the corners would not, would shut down everybody, allowing the, the linebackers and ends to get to the quarterback. Getting Chison in there, you drafted Josh Allen last year. Chison and Allen, whoo, that's pretty nice. I, I dig that for Jacksonville. I dig that for Jacksonville. You got C.J. Henderson now on the outside. Got a lot of athletic ability on that defense. C.J. Henderson and Chison are two of the most athletic players in the draft. So Jacksonville got some very good athletes on the defensive side of the ball. Of the Eagles, this was another surprise. Not because of who they took, but because of where they took him and where or who they took him above. The Eagles took Jalen Rager. Again, I had him going to the Eagles in my mock draft, but again, I had them trading back. I had the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Justin Jefferson, so the Eagles were like, yeah, we can get this guy a little bit later. But reports were he was rising a lot of teams' boards because of his personality, big in personnel circles, and the speed is the thing that was really big with him. But he can't catch. He drops a lot. I'm not saying he can't catch. He has inconsistent hands. That's the thing that hurts him here. You know what that's similar to? He is basically, what the Eagles just did, basically drafted another Nelson Aguilar. A fast receiver with no hands. That's what I think they just did here. Jalen Rager could turn out to be a very, very good wide receiver and turn his hands around, but if he doesn't, then that's just another Nelson Aguilar and it's just going to piss even more Eagles fans off. Especially knowing that CeeDee Lamb, a guy that you were reportedly enamored with and were going to trade up to get him, 
went to your most hated rival, the Dallas Cowboys, or at least one of your most hated rivals, them and the Giants. That is what's going to sting the most. You let the Dallas Cowboys take a guy that you were apparently enamored with. Now, again, there were reports that they were enamored with Jalen Rager. So I'm not going to say you're like they didn't like Rager and he was just a second option. I think he was their 1A, 1B to Steedy Lamb's 1A. But you just let him fall to your biggest rival, one of your biggest rivals, laps. And you're going to have to deal with that all the time. And also, not only that, with CeeDee Lamb there, a receiver that was a consensus better pick in a lot of circles was Justin Jefferson from LSU. The best slot receiver in this draft. Now, I get Rager because he has the speed. Justin Jefferson's not as fast, but Jefferson's a much better wide receiver. He was like third in the nation in receiving yards last year. He is an absolute beast out wide, and I think he would have been nice for the Philadelphia Eagles at 21, but they took Rager. They'll have to live with it. Uh, the L.A. Chargers trading back into the first round to take Kenneth Murray. Love the pick. One of my favorite picks in the entire draft. Kenneth Murray will help the Chargers immensely. There were reports that they were going to look at Isaiah Simmons there at number six. Get an all-purpose linebacker that can make every play in the middle of the field. They lost Thomas Davis, or cut him, I think, and now he's on the Redskins. They need someone that can make plays. Something that has affected the Chargers for the last, like, 20 years is getting somebody that can tackle. Ever since Seau left, they have been needing a guy that can make tackles. They struggle tackling all the time. Getting Kenneth Murray is huge here. And this is what pissed me off about the pick. Because... In my mock draft, I had the Patriots trading up to get Herbert. What I should have done, which is very stupid of me, is the Patriots never trade up. I even said on the Instagram Live thing that the Patriots are going to trade back. That was my prediction. I thought it would be with the Ravens for Kenneth Murray. I knew someone was going to trade up to get Kenneth Murray with the Patriots. Patriots never trade up. I don't know why in my wildest dreams I had the Patriots trading up to get Justin Herbert. I don't know why I had the Chargers not taking Justin Herbert. I knew the Patriots were going to trade back, but I didn't do it. Why? Because I'm an idiot. That's exactly why. And Kenneth Murray was going to go to the Saints. It was just going to happen. So what did the Saints do? Not take the next best linebacker available. Take an offensive lineman, which is a player you took last year. You drafted the center in the second round last year. Now, they might not be very happy with him this year because they drafted the center, or they're just going to move Cesar Ruiz to guard. But I'm not entirely... That was a surprising pick to me. That was very surprising. Because I didn't hear his name linked with the Saints at all. I heard him as that around, like around the 20s. I heard the Cowboys and Eagles. And then I heard the Cowboys were out of it because they liked their options that they have in-house. And I heard the Giants were also linked with it. Never heard the Saints. I even heard the Ravens. I heard the Packers. Uh, I heard the Vikings, so this surprised me. I think the Vikings were targeting him at number five or 25, which is why they traded back with San Fran, who got Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Now, I struggled with Brandon Ayuk and Denzel Mims throughout the entire process. Denzel Mims is the faster, more athletic one. He's got the size on Ayuk, like the height. He's a like the stereotypical vertical threat. But the thing that hurts Mims is that his route tree is very underdeveloped. He only runs verticals, which is just a consistent with Baylor wide receivers anyways. You heard that with Corey Coleman in the last, like two drafts, or however many drafts that was when he went to the Browns. You hear that all the time. That's like the big mark 
against Baylor wide receivers. They're a very air raid offense that only runs verts. His route tree's not developed. Brandon Ayuk is a much better route runner. Like, it's not even close in the route running department. Brandon Ayuk is a thousand times the route runner that Denzel, Denzel Mims is. I think they also like that Brandon Ayuk was the punt returner for the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils. I think he fits more of what Mike Shan- or Kyle Shanahan wants to do in Sanford. 5'11", thicker guy, around 210 pounds, I think, 205 pounds. Physical, fast, way better route runner, and versatility returning the ball as well. I think it makes sense. I should have had Brandon Ayuk going at number 20. I had Denzel Mims going to the Vikings, so I should have just had Ayuk going because it makes a lot of sense. He is a way better route runner, and I even said that in my mock draft predict, like my mock draft reasoning, that is exactly what I said. I got to scroll down to Denzel Mims on my number 25, Denzel Mims. Yeah, Denzel Mims possess. Okay, here we go. Running a 3-8-40 at the combine and having a 38.5-inch vertical, Mims possesses all the traits to look for in a deep threat. The main problem is with Mims is that his route tree may not be as developed all the way which seems to be a common theme with Baylor wide receivers, but I'm not going to let that bother me. I should have because that's the thing that kept him out of the first round. That is the thing that kept him out of the first round was that. And that's why Brandon Ayuk went in the first round. I should have just known that. Daniel Jeremiah had Brandon Ayuk going there at number 25 to the Vikings. I should have just done that. Uh, Another kind of surprise, but not really. The Green Bay Packers taking Jordan Love. Uh, This wasn't that big of a surprise, to be honest. Um, Tyler only had the New England Patriots an option for Jordan Love, which I never had him going to the New England Patriots. I had him going to the Saints and or Packers. I didn't know which one to do. I was like, the Saints, Taysom Hill's not the guy. I don't, he's almost 30 or he's going to be 30 before the season starts. I just don't think he's going to be the franchise guy. I think if you want to do that, you got to get a guy to challenge Taysom Hill and Jordan Love could be the guy to learn from Drew Brees, but he fits in what the Packers do exactly he is I think I even made the comparison on Wednesday that Jordan Love is a very similar quarterback to Aaron Rodgers he can make all the throws on the field he can he's pretty athletic quarterback he just had a turnover issue in his last year which the year before he threw 32 touchdowns six picks and he didn't have any options at Utah State that was just him forcing throws and trying to be more of a playmaker than what he was because he just trying to make plays for a team that's not very good that was his problem I think learning behind Aaron Rodgers will be huge for his development. When the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre was 36. Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. This was the, this was more, um, this was going to happen. And Matt LaFleur, the reports were that if he was available, they were going up to get him. Matt LaFleur is making it happen. This is not surprising, really, because... They need a quarterback of the future. They've never had a legit backup for Aaron Rodgers other than Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn dipped to Seattle. Once he came back, it was never the same. You look at the backups they had. Brent Hundley, Deshaun Kaiser, something Boyle, whoever they have now. I'm not even sure what his last name or his first name is. Jordan Love will provide that solid backup option for Rodgers and be the perfect quarterback for the future for the Packers. Now, what do I think they should have done this? I don't know. I think it's a very good option for them because it gives them a future quarterback and a solid backup for right now, and Jordan Love can learn from Aaron Rodgers. But I think the Packers could have also looked at a linebacker. I thought they were trading up to get Patrick Queen 
Because, again, they lost uh, Blake Martinez this offseason to the New York Giants in free agency. I had that pick in my mock draft, but it just didn't happen. They went up for Jordan Love because I had the Saints taking Jordan Love. So that was what kind of threw me off there. But those are my two options for Love because I in the Chargers. The Chargers were my number three out of, like, trading back into the first round. If you were out of the first round, they were going to trade up to get Jordan Love. But if out, just out of the first round teams, it looked like the Saints and the Packers. Even Colin Coward talked about it a couple weeks ago about how the Packers shouldn't do this because it'll just make Aaron Rodgers mad. And it will. It will. But will Rodgers be the same mentor, better mentor, than what Brett Favre was to him? Because Brett Favre wasn't really a mentor to Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see what Rodgers does with Jordan Love. He's not challenging for the starting job, so Rodgers need to worry about that. But just a constant reminder that, hey, we got our guy for the future. Rodgers needs to know he's 36 years old. And, yeah. Packers have never done a good job helping out Aaron Rodgers. So I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers in that sense, but I think this is a good move for the future of the Green Bay Packers. I had them taking quarterback, I think, two mock drafts ago to get them their future quarterback. So I'm not surprised they took a quarterback in the first round. Uh, The Seahawks, one thing that did surprise me, taking Jordan Brooks over Patrick Queen. This very surprised me. Um, Jordan Brooks is is a talented linebacker, but I am as my number four linebacker in the draft. I think a lot of people had him as their number four. I had Simmons, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen, Brooks. I was borderline putting Brooks in the first round. I just didn't know where he'd go because I thought the Packers would trade up, which they did, but I thought it would be for a linebacker because I had Jordan Love off the board to New Orleans. Uh, so Jordan Brooks goes off here. I think it makes sense for the Seahawks get another interior linebacker in there. I did ha- mention that they could go by uh, – Patrick Queen there. I thought it'd be your tier gross mottos, but it wasn't. I think he's going to be an early second. He might be like the fourth, second or third uh, second round pick tonight. So we'll have to wait and see on that. The Ravens sprinted to the podium, I guess you could call it, and take Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen's the number three linebacker in this draft. He fits what the Ravens want to do perfectly. Yeah, just an easy pick for the Ravens. Tennessee Titans, Isaiah Wilson. I had him going here. Big bodied lineman. Natural right tackle. Played right tackle at Georgia. Uh, he's six foot six, 350 pounds, and is a very good run blocker, which is what the Titans want to do. They are going to build their game around the run with Derrick Henry. That is what they're going to do. They did that. It carried them all the way to the AFC Championship game last year. Isaiah Wilson is the perfect person for that. And that's why I had him going to Tennessee. Uh, the Dolphins trading back. Noah Igabanye. I don't even say that. I'm not going to try to say that name. Noah I. Uh, kind of surprising that the Dolphins took him. Not surprised he went in the first round. I am surprised the Dolphins took him because they just signed um, Byron Jones, the biggest contract in cornerback history. His biggest contract in the history of the NFL for a corner, Byron Jones. But if you look at it like this, Xavier Howard got arrested in 20, the late 2019 for domestic abuse. Or domestic assault. I can't remember what it was exactly. He pushed his girlfriend. She hit a mirror or something like that. So he got arrested. So that might be their little fear there that he gets suspended. I think he's a very talented corner. He's only played corner for two years. So that's his biggest fallback is that he's, he didn't, he played wide receivers when he first got to college. Now he's a first-round corner. Shows how talented he is that he went to the first round after only playing there for two years. His entire life. And now he's a first-round pick. 
I'm not surprised he went in the first round. I am surprised it was to the Dolphins, though. I thought they would go after McKinney or something like that. Get a safety in there to replace Minka Fitzpatrick. Very versatile safety, much like Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't, they're not the same player, but has that versatility that Fitzpatrick has. Would have fit with the Dolphins' defense very nicely, but this is a solid pick for the Dolphins there. The Vikings, Jeff Gladney. I was rotating between Jeff Gladney and Jalen Johnson the entire day. I didn't know who it was going to be because a lot of reports were saying Jeff Gladney is a Mike Zimmer player. That's what I should have done. I thought they liked Jalen Johnson because of the abilities that he had playing the cornerback position a little bigger than Jeff Gladney. But one thing that I should have looked at and I just completely brushed off was the shoulder injury he had or shoulder shoulder surgery he had in March. I think that's a bigger issue than what I gave it credit for because a lot of people are saying it's not a big issue, but it probably is. That's probably why the Vikings went with Gladney instead of Jalen Johnson. I thought it was going to be one of those two. I couldn't decide which one, and I just went with Johnson because that's what I had in my last mock draft, I think. But it makes sense. I'm not. This is a good pick for the Vikings. Trading back to get it, too. I knew they were going to go wide receiver and corner. I almost had this exact thing, but I didn't know if Justin Jefferson would make it past Philly. I thought once Jeff, once if Jefferson was available at 21, Eagles were going to take him. Again, I'm not surprised they took Rager. I'm just surprised they took him before Jefferson. Vikings had a very nice draft last night. In the last pick in the first round, Chiefs selected Clyde Edwards-Elair. Uh, he fits exactly what the Chiefs want to do. I think he's an upgrade on Damian Williams, who I think is one of the most overrated running backs in the NFL. Damian Williams will have 20 yards on... 10 carries going into the fourth quarter and then break off an 80-yard run and finish with 11 carries and 105 yards or something like that. And a touchdown. He's not that good, but he fits what the Chiefs want to do. He's extremely fast, so that's what the Chiefs like in him. I don't think he's very good compared to other running backs in the league and get as much hype as he should get. He gets way more than what he should. Because, again, he'll have, like, seven yards and then break off a 70-yard run. I'm like, oh, man, jeez, Damian Williams, seven carries, 92 yards in the touchdown? Jeez, he had himself a good game. Yeah, because he broke off an insane run, like, in the fourth quarter. That's what he always does. That's what that's what he's made a living off doing. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire fits exactly what the Chiefs want to do. Now, he's not as fast as Williams, but he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. He is the best pass catching back in the draft. Now, I thought that DeAndre Swift would go here. I had that in the back of my head because DeAndre Swift, in my opinion, was the best running back in the draft. I had Elaire as my number two. I had it going DeAndre Swift, Alaire, Dobbins, Taylor, Moss. That was what my rankings were, and I had Cam Akers circling around that five spot as well. But I'm not surprised it's Clyde Edwards Lair. He catches the ball in the backfield very, very well, and he can run well. He runs very good routes. I think it fits very, very well with what the Kansas City Chiefs want to do going forward. I think he's a better option than Damian Williams. Again, he's not as fast, but he's can do all the little things you like. It's like a Kevin Falk type player, I guess you could say. Short little guy, but will be able to catch the ball to the backfield. A little short little guy. He's like five foot seven. He's he reminds me a lot of Kevin Falk in that respect. Um but yeah, that's the first round. And comparing that to my mock draft that I did um, yeah, I got nine picks right. 
out of the entire mock draft or out of the entire draft, which I'll take, I'll take. But the thing that ticks me off the most, listen to this. Okay. So number one, two, three, exactly right. Burrow, Young, Akuda. Number four, the Giants. I had them taking Tristan Wirfs. Should have listened to what they said about taking Andrew Thomas. Everybody was saying Thomas is going to be the first tackle off the board. Didn't listen to it. Had him as the second tackle off the board. Should have should have paid more attention to that. Uh, Dolphins going Tua. Got that one right. Easily got that one. Didn't even think twice about it. Never really put Herbert in that unless I was toying with the idea of that dream 2004 trade, but that was never going to happen. Mike Brown of the Bengals sent Joe Burrow his jersey on like Wednesday. So they they were going to make the pick. Joe Burrow is going to be a Bengal. I hope he does well in Cincinnati I really like Joe Burrow. Uh, number six, Justin Herbert. I am Andrew Thomas. I, I should have done just done Justin Herbert. I've watched Tyrod Taylor for a few years. He was on the Bills. I've seen him live. I've watched him in games in person I think two or three or four times. He's not going to do anything special. He's not a franchise guy. He's not going to win you games. He's just not going to lose you games. That's the thing with Tyrod. He's not going to win you games, but he won't lose you any games. That's the thing, but that is not a franchise quarterback. Justin Herbert has all the things you look for in a franchise quarterback. The size, the arm strength, the mobility, the smarts. That's what people are looking for in quarterbacks. Look at Patrick Mahomes. The arm strength, the size, the mobility, the smarts. All things. Alex Smith, smart. That's about it. <laughs> That's really about it. It was the same thing with the Chargers. Tyra Taylor, mobile. And smart. That's about it. He doesn't have a strong arm. He doesn't have really good size. Justin Herbert possesses all that. And he's mobile. I should have just done Herbert to the Chargers. I should have just done it. I like the pick of Jordan Love going to the Chargers more. But this one makes a lot of sense there. This is the part that ticks me off the most. 7, 8, 9, and 10 are the picks that frustrate me the most in my entire mock draft. Why? Well, I'll tell you. I had Isaiah Simmons going to the Panthers at 7. And I had Derek Brown going to the Cardinals at 8. Derek Brown went to the Panthers at 7. Isaiah Simmons went to the Cardinals at 8. That frustrates me. That frustrates me. I had C.J. Henderson going 9 to the Falcons. He went 9 to the Jaguars. I had Jedrick Wills going 10 to the Buccaneers. He went 10 to the Browns. I had CeeDee Lamb going number 12 to the Raiders with Henry Ruggs as the clear-cut number 2 option. It was 1A, 1B for me. I went with 1A because I thought the GM would take charge over that. They went with what the coach said. Makes sense. Ruggs has the speed. Makes sense that he's the first off the board. Yeah, makes sense. And I got 11 right. I got Becton right. Uh, the 49ers, I think once Ruggs was gone, they didn't want any of the other wide receivers. Took Javon Kinlaw. I had them taking Javon Kinlaw in the radio show draft, which we did together on Wednesday. I had him going there but didn't do it here because I don't think, I think they wanted Henry Ruggs. Um, the, what do we got here? Uh, 15, Jerry Judy got that. 16, I should have put Terrell, but I thought they would trade up. So I have Kinlaw going to the Jaguars at 16. 17, um, I didn't think CeeDee Lamb would be there. That's just my only defense on that one. I just didn't have, didn't think he'd survive that long. But I think he would have, Clavon Chison would have fit with Dallas, but you had to take CeeDee Lamb there at 17. Austin Jackson of Miami got that one right. AJ Terrell for Oakland or Las Vegas. I think that's who they wanted. I think they wanted AJ Terrell. They got David Arnett, Damon Arnett from Ohio State, DBU, and 
Yeah. Two first-round draft picks for the Iowa State Buckeyes. Some would consider a surprise, but again, Raiders love themselves a reach. They've always done it. It's threaded throughout their history. Much like the Silver and Black and Al Davis overdrafting is well a part of the Raiders' history. I think they wanted Terrell. They took Arnett. Surprised me. Uh, the Jaguars, if Chison was there, would have easily put Chison there. I almost put Justin Jefferson in Dallas and Clavon Chison in Jacksonville. I almost just flipped it. I did have that typed out, and then I deleted it because I was like, uh, maybe they don't go wide receiver, but they're going to try and make Dak Prescott happy. They're, so I think that was a logical pick by Dallas, and Jacksonville going with Chison fits what they want to do. The Eagles' Rager had that one just at 28th. Uh, the Vikings, uh, Justin Jefferson, if he was available at 22, I had no doubt in my mind the Vikings would take him. That was not a mystery to me. If the Justin Jefferson was available at 22, the Vikings would have taken him. Taken him. I just didn't have him available there, so they didn't take him. Um, I had the Patriots trade. The Patriots are going to trade. Whether it be up or down, more than like, like 89.99% was a chance that they were going to trade down. They never trade up. I'll give them like a 10% chance to trade down, trade up. But they weren't. They're the Patriots. Unless a quarterback starts sliding, which is what I had, they will trade up for a quarterback. But they didn't. I didn't think they liked Justin uh, Jordan Love. I think they really liked Herbert. But once Herbert went six, they were just like, let's just trade back. They were going to trade. They weren't staying there at 23. And the Chargers took Kenneth Murray. I thought Kenneth Murray would be the second linebacker off the board. I had him going number 21. I constantly had the Ravens and Patriots trading back, but I had it more for Patrick Queen at that point, which would have worked because the Ravens would have taken Patrick Queen. Uh, the Saints, I am taking Jordan Love. They took a lineman. I guess they just want to protect Breezins last year. The Vikings, at 25, I had a Mims. Niners trade up took Ayuk. I should have done Ayuk. Better route runner, better returner, but more physical. Like Everything pointed to Ayuk going before Mims. I just ignored it. Because I was like, oh, he's a good vertical threat. Whatever. Stupid. That's stupid move by Logan right there. I knew it wasn't going to... The things that you hear and what you value in a player. Who would you rather have? Someone that's fast and can only run verticals or someone who can run every single route well, is fast, and can return you kicks? Which one are you going to take? If I just told you blind take one of these guys, you'd take Ayuk. That's... That's really stupid on my part. I'm sorry about that for being stupid. The Packers took Jordan Love. Not surprising. I thought they'd trade up to at least 27. They trade up to 26. Makes sense. I They were going to take either Love if he was available or a linebacker. That's what I thought they were going to do. They took the quarterback. Makes perfect sense for the Packers. Maybe upset Packers fans, but you know what? You won't be crying when if he does turn out to be another version of Aaron Rodgers. Seahawks, Jordan Brooks, I had him taking gross miles and trading back. Um, I thought their edge rushing need was a little bit more than a linebacker need. Now, I think he can play outside linebacker if they want to, but he's a more inside guy. So, I don't know. If the Seahawks like him, go ahead. Ravens, Patrick Queen, yeah, makes 100% sense. He fits what their defense is. Either one of these linebackers, whether it be Murray or Queen, was going to be perfect for their defense. Titans, Isaiah Wilson, dead on that one. Dolphins taking Noah. I, again, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, surprised because of that he went to the Miami. Not surprised he went in the first round. Not surprised by that at all. It's the surprising fact that he went to Miami. 
I didn't think that would happen. I thought they would go safety. I really thought they liked Xavier McKinney. Versatility was big there. And they went with the corner. So maybe they could push him back to safety or move one of their corners to safety. I don't know. They need help at safety still. Vikings, Jeff Gladney. Should have just put Jeff Gladney with Minnesota because I knew Jalen Johnson is coming off shoulder surgery. I should have just known that, that it would affect his draft stock. And it did. He didn't go in the first round. I thought he's talented enough to go in the first round. But a shoulder injury is not something that a lot of teams look past lightly. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I thought it would be DeAndre Swift or a corner. But again, once Jeff Gladney went off the board, corner was off the board. Because they're not going to take a guy with a shoulder injury. Chiefs have no corners. They lost Kendall Fuller to Washington. They have Brashad Breland on a one-year deal. So I would have gone corner, but I think they were targeting Jeff Gladney. So once he was off the board, they were just like, let's just take a running back. Again, thought it would be swift, but I think Clyde edwards fits perfectly with what the Kansas City Chiefs want to do. So for all the picks, Burr of the Bengals at A, Chase Young the Redskins A, Jeff Akuda A, Andrew Thomas the Giants a B, B-plus range, fills a need for the Giants to help protect Daniel Jones and give running lanes to Saquon Barkley. Tua, B+. I think they keep Josh Rosen. I think that's very beneficial to what Tua can do. I think Tua would be very thankful if they kept Josh Rosen. There's been no rumor that they're thinking about trading him. I think Rosen, with him there, is the perfect number two for Fitzpatrick for next year. You don't need to rush Tua into anything. You have Rosen there. So if Fitzpatrick gets hurt, Rosen goes in. So, like, you're not risking anything with Tua so keep Rose in there I give it a B plus Herbert to Chargers B B plus get their quarterback of the future I think he's a very talented kid I think he just lacks some he lacks consistency at times but he has all the tools to be a success in this league the Panthers Derek Brown B plus a minus range they needed run defense the run defense was atrocious last year uh, get some help in that department with Derek Brown who has had the third best rush defense in the SEC last year at Auburn so, solid pick there for the Panthers. Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals, A-. minus. He was It was going to be whoever the Panthers didn't take. That's who the Cardinals were going to take. Whether it be Isaiah Simmons or Derrick Brown, they were going to take that guy. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, A-, minus will give them another option on their defense that's improving slowly as the years go on. Jaguars, C.J. Henderson, B, B-plus area, very athletic corner. Very, very athletic corner. I don't get the comparison with him and Jeff Akuda with the people rating him higher. I think it's just because of the athletic ability. But Jeff Akuda is a much better corner. But I think CJ fills a dire need for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jedrick Wilson, the Browns, B plus, A minus range. Uh, the thing that has him lower on that is that he's a right tackle at Bama. But I think he will slot over to left tackle easily because of the fact that he protected a blind side for Tua. Very natural blindside blocker, and I think he feels an instant need for Cleveland. I think Andrew Thomas was their number one tackle, but they were like, fine, we'll take Jedrick Wills, who was our number two. Uh, Makai Becton of the Jets, an A, run blocker, giant guy, fills an instant need for the Jets. Phillip, so, open up some holes for Le'Veon. That's a key thing there. He's just a man mountain. He's freaking huge and fits in what the Jets want to do. Henry Ruggs, the Raiders, B+. Plus. Uh, the speed kills. It's the Raiders' mantra for years. I am not surprised at all he went the first wide receiver there. Very talented wide receiver. Love the fit there in o- or Las Vegas. 
Tristan Wirfs, A+. First A-plus of the draft. Uh, he was available there at 13. Don't really know how. I think it's because people don't know if he's a guard or a tackle. But he will fill an instant need for San, or for Tampa Bay. And I love the pickup there. You got the best available option there. He's on the best team out of the teams that drafted tackles. So, good on you, Tristan. The 49ers, Javon Kinlaw, B, B- somewhere around there. Fills an instant need. They just trade away DeForest Buckner. Yeah, just it's just a smart pick. Smart pick. I think they wanted Henry Ruggs. Since Ruggs wasn't available, they took a position of need, which was D-tackle. Build, keep on building that D-line. Get rid of, replace. That's what the 49ers did here. Broncos, Jerry, Judy, A. They were talking about trading up to get him. Didn't trade up to get him. Still got him at number 15. AJ Terrell to the Falcons. Uh, C plus, B minus. I'm not going to put a lot on the national championship game because he really struggled in that, but I think that's more of... Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have an insane, have an, an insane connection. Because if you watch some of the plays that he got beat on, he's playing as good of defense as you possibly could on Jamar Chase, who last year was the best receiver in college football. LSU has the best corner and best receiver in college football, and they couldn't come out this year. But when they both come out, they will be top 10 picks. Both brought maybe even top 5 picks. Stingley and Chase are beasts. And... I think Terrell did as good as he possibly could on that. He just struggled in that, but I think it's a B minus C plus range. Cowboys A plus, CD Lamb getting them at 17, pissing off your rivals in Philly with a guy that they really wanted, apparently, or at least some of their fans wanted. A A plus range for CD Lamb. Austin Jackson B minus. Like, give him a B minus because I think age wise he's perfect. He's the youngest tackle in the draft, at least the ones that I've looked at. And he has versatility. He's very athletic. The thing that ruins, that hurts him is that he's a work in progress. He had a weaker season last year. I'm going to base that because of the bone marrow transplant he did. So I'm going to put some on that. But I like the fit there in Miami. But he might be a little bit of a project there for the Dolphins. But I I like the upside that Austin Jackson has. Damon Arnett to the Raiders, I think a D, D plus. Not because of the player. I think the player is fine. I think it's where they picked the player. It's like the jo- Daniel Jones draft pick last year or Cleveland Farrell pick last year. I don't think they're bad players. I think you overdrafted them insanely. Cleveland Farrell, when I did my first mock draft, I had him going number six to the Raiders. So I will set, raise my hand and say, yes, I knew the Raiders were going to take him in the top 10. But as the draft got closer, it was he's going in the 20s. Daniel Jones to pretty much everybody else was going in the second round and you could have easily gotten him at pick 17. Now, I get the logic of if you like your quarterback, go and take him. Don't let anybody else risk taking him. But you overdraft. It's like this. You could have gotten Damon Arnett in probably the third round, maybe second round. So, I don't know. Number 19 pick. I don't know. I think that's a little bit of an overdraft. Clavon Chison, B- minus for Jacksonville to B or B+. Plus. Just somewhere in the Bs for Clavon Chison. It has athletic ability, the size, length, speed, everything. And fills an instant need for the Jaguars. They're going to get rid of Yannick Ngakwe at some point this offseason. Don't know when. But they're going to get rid of him. And Chison fills an instant need. Outside linebacker could play the end as well. Great fit there. Jalen Rager, uh, C- minus to C. I would be fine with the pick if Justin Jefferson was already off the board. Then I would raise it to somewhere in the Bs probably. But the fact that Justin Jefferson was on the board and they passed on him. I get they liked the guy, but 
21 over Justin Jefferson? That's a... I had the Eagles taking Jalen Rager in the first round, so I'm not surprised they took Jalen Rager at all. But again, I had Justin Jefferson going before. That's the thing that surprises me about this. He's just another Nelson Aguilar. For at the, Looking at him now, he just reminds me a lot of Nelson Aguilar. Very fast, suspect hands. That's what it's looking like right now. Uh, the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, B plus, A minus. The fact that he was available there at 22 is perfect for the Minnesota Vikings. Fills an instant need for the Vikings there. 23, the Chargers, Kenneth Murray, A+. Uh, yeah, he's the second-best linebacker in the draft. Chargers have struggled with tackling for years, and he fills an instant need for the Chargers. They let Thomas Davis go now in Washington. It just fills an instant need for the L.A. Chargers there. The Saints, Cesar Ruiz, B-. minus. I just didn't expect it. It was a surprise. I think he's the best center in the draft, so I'm not surprised with that. But they drafted the center last year who started, I think, all of their games last year, if not most of their games last year. So they're moving him to guard, I would suspect, because he has the versatility to play guard, but it just surprised me that it was him there with New Orleans. Uh, the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk, B-plus to A-minus, rarely good route runner, can return kicks, has speed. He just looks like a 49ers wide receiver. He looks like the other wide receivers they have. He fills a need. He's... Better route runner than Denzel Mims, which I didn't even cross my mind when I was thinking about it. I even put it in my mo- I put it in the reasoning that he's not a developed route runner. I still overlooked that. That that pisses me off more than anything that I did in the draft. Uh, the Packers, Jordan Love. Mm, this one's hard because you're not drafting him for today. The Chargers and Dolphins and Bengals drafted quarterbacks they plan to play sometime this season. Well, at least the Chargers and Bengals. The Dolphins will not play Tua this season. He will play next season, but he won't play this upcoming season. Jordan Love might not play for three years. So, uh, I don't really know. I think you could look at this in two ways. You can go, oh yes, we got a quarterback that can learn from Rodgers, that has all the abilities in the world, and will be a stud in the NFL once he gets his chance. He has the arm strength, the athletic ability, the smarts, the size. He has everything we're looking for in a quarterback. But then you can look at it in as, why aren't we helping out Aaron Rodgers? Why aren't we getting a wide receiver? Why aren't we getting an offensive lineman? Why aren't we getting a linebacker? I think that's what Packers fans are most ticked off about. It's not the fact that it's Jordan Love. It's the fact that they took Jordan Love while they have other positions of need on the roster, like the ones I just mentioned. I think that's the thing that frustrates Packers fans the most. I think Jordan Love's the perfect replacement for Rodgers in about two or three years' time, but... They had other needs on the roster to fill there first. So I give it like a C plus to eventually a B range because eventually he's going to be a solid quarterback in the NFL, maybe a very good quarterback in the NFL. Uh, But just because he had other needs, that's the thing that's throwing me off a little bit. Um, The Seahawks, Jordan Brooks, C plus. Patrick Queen's a better linebacker. It's just as simple as that. Patrick Queen's undersized, so I think that's what Jordan Brooks weighs 20 pounds more than Patrick Queen. That's the state of the... He's weighs 240 pounds. Another thing that hurts Patrick Queen, he only had really one year starting at LSU. A great year starting at LSU, but that's the things that hurt him. So I think that's why Seattle went with Brooks, but I also think Seattle should have gone with an off, a defensive end or an outside linebacker here with this pick that could get after the quarterback. He had 28 sacks last year after trading for Jadavian Clowney and after drafting LJ Collier in the first round last year. Seahawks is known for overdrafting. 
much like the Raiders, Rashad Penny, who's turning out to be a decent back now, but he lost his starting job to a, a seventh round draft pick. So a little bit of an overdraft there. Uh, LJ Collier last year, another one. This year it's Jordan Brooks. Because now Patrick Queen went 28 to the Ravens, and he fills an instant need for the Ravens and fits exactly what they want to do on defense. Undersized? Don't care. Derek Brooks was undersized, with some teams even looking at him as a safety, and he is a Hall of Fame linebacker. I don't care that he's undersized. If you can play a position, you're going to be a... If you can play it well enough to get drafted, you played that entire time in college, you can play that position in the NFL. I don't care if you're undersized. Derek Brooks is a prime example of that. Hall of Famer, undersized. Patrick Queen, A for the Ravens. Isaiah Wilson, B for the Titans. Right, Natural right tackle, beast run blocker, insane size. Exactly what the Titans were looking for in a tackle. I thought Ezra Cleveland would go before him, but I did have Isaiah Wilson going in the first round of the Titans. Uh, the Dolphins, Noah I, B minus. I think he's a very good corner. I think he's a talented corner. I just think that the Dolphins should have gone somewhere else. That's just what my opinion is on the matter. And yeah, I'm, I like the player. I really like the player. But could he have gone somewhere else? Like a safety? Like a running back? Yes. We even jo- talked about the possibility of going Josh Jones here, Ezra Cleveland here, but it's a it's a pit. It's a it's a decent pit. I like the player. Just surprised me a little bit. Jeff Gladney to the Vikings, B plus A minus, traded back to get a guy that you liked. That's always that is so nice for a team. Like we got a guy we wanted at 25, but we traded back six spots to get him. And we knew he was going to be there. And I think the Vikings sprinted to the draft table to get their pick in because of the Dolphins taking a corner. It's kind of surprised them and go like, oh, crap, we got to take a corner. It, kind of, it was kind of obvious the Vikings were going to go corner wide receiver in this draft. Whatever way they did it, first pick or second pick, they were going to go that. And Jeff Gladney just fits what they want to do and is a Mike Zimmer type player. Clyde Edgerlair, A- for the Chiefs. A, A-. He's a pass catching back. He can do what the Chiefs want to do out of the backfield. I think he's an upgrade on Damian Williams. Uh, he's a more complete player. Damian Williams is speed personified, but he's not the greatest running back in the world. I think this is a solid pick for the Chiefs. Thing that lowered it a little bit from like an A to an A- minus and circling around a B plus is I thought DeAndre Swift was a better running back. But Clyde Edwards-Lair was the number two option for me. So I don't really, it's not like I had him at number five on here, like Arnett, where I had him that low below everybody. I had him like the ninth or tenth corner. Or uh, Jalen Rager, I had him behind certain people. I only had him behind one person, and they both do pretty much the same things. So I'm not surprised at all that Allaire went there. Uh, my winners of the first round are uh, the Dolphins, because you got your quarterback in Tua, you got a lineman, and you got a defensive back. I think those are three your three biggest needs going to the draft. I'm surprised it was a corner, but he's an athletic corner and a very good cover corner that could fit in what the Dolphins do. He's been compared to Xavier Howard, so he's already on your team. If Howard gets suspended, you got a guy in there that's basically a clone of him. He's only played two years of corner, so he's got more growth to do. That's awesome. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are another winner. Got Justin Jefferson at 22, where I didn't see that happening. And got Jeff Gladney, a guy you wanted at 25, but traded back and got him all the way at 31. You got more picks 
Granted, they were fifth-round picks, but more picks to get a guy you already wanted and traded back to get him. I really like that. Um, the Ravens, Patrick Queen, getting a guy there that they wanted. Um, getting at 28, not having, to moving up, not having to move up to get him was awesome there. The Chargers, getting Kenneth Murray was a stroke of genius by Tom Telesco. He's always been a very, very good drafter. Um, yeah, get your quarterback, get a stud linebacker to tackle people. Something that the Chargers have, again, struggled with throughout their throughout like the last 20 years. They've always tried struggling. So ever since Seau left, they have needed a guy to get tackles. Rodney Harrison, they have needed guys to get tackles. Kenneth Murray can solve that. I also think the Broncos are a big winner here because they got Jerry Judy at 15. Didn't need to trade up to get him, which is awesome. Again, if you don't need to move up for your guy, that makes it awesome. If you could trade back and get a guy... That's even better. Like, I was looking at this guy earlier. And we can still get him here. And we got more picks. That's what's awesome. The Vikings got a ton of picks now. Goodness great. What, they got like 14 picks now? 15 picks? They got a lot of picks. Uh, Losers of the draft. I don't really want to call them losers because I don't know how these players will turn out. But uh, just in terms of overdrafting and who they took them over, uh, the Eagles... For Jalen Rager, another Nelson Aguilar, it looks like. But again, he could turn out to be a beast. Um, Damon Arnett from the Raiders from Ohio State. I think you could have taken another corner there. But if you liked him, take him. But it's a little bit of an overdraft. So you could have looked at him in the possibly the third round. Um, and the Seahawks with Jordan Brooks. I would have taken Patrick Queen over him. I get why, because he's bigger than Queen by 20 pounds. But Queen's just the better overall linebacker, isn't he? So that's... That was my winners and losers of the draft. I think you can mention the Cowboys in there as a winner. That also puts a damper on the Eagles draft. But I have to choose one winner and one loser. My one winner is the Vikings because they got two positions they were going to draft in this, this draft, and they got the two guys they were looking at. Gladney, they were looking at 25, traded back to get him, and got Justin Jefferson at 22 and didn't need to move up to get him. That's crazy to me. My biggest loser is the Eagles. Uh, you got a guy that has speed, that has inconsistent hands. Another Nelson Aguilar. While your division rival, Dallas Cowboys, take a guy that you were apparently really wanting and who every single one of your fans wanted, CeeDee Lamb. And also the fact that you got Justin Jefferson taking one spot behind you. So you'll be looking at that all the time and going like, man, we could have had Justin Jefferson here. We could have traded up for CeeDee Lamb, but now we're going to have to play him twice a year. And another team in the NFC got Justin Jefferson. So those are my winners and losers of the draft. We're going to take a really quick break. Jeez, we have been talking for an hour and 22 minutes straight. This is coming off of four hours of talking nonstop last night. So we're doing well. The throat's holding up, surprisingly, but... We're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. Come back. And what do we got planned? What was the next thing I got planned on my my thingy mabot thing, thing, thing? Um, oh, we got to preview night two a little bit. So we'll do that coming up right after this little, 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 little short, 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 break, 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 break. All right. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Reminder to go follow all of the Logan Blackman Show social media accounts, as we said in the beginning of the show. So you got Logan underscore Black... Yeah, well, that's my personal Twitter account, Logan underscore Blackman. At the underscore LB underscore show is the show's Twitter account. We got the Instagram account, Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. 
and go like the Facebook page as well. Trying to get to 100 likes on the Facebook page. We're at 98 right now. If you haven't liked it already, go ahead and like it. I mean, jeez, I just chugged a Mountain Dew, so I'm a little, I'm a little burpy right now. I, I needed some caffeine to wake up. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep as of late recently, but that's beside the point. And so we've got all the Logan Blackman Show social media accounts to go and follow for your liking. Also, stay tuned for later today on the Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel where we will be posting an interview with UNI starting center Austin Fife, center of the basketball team. I know uh, maybe if I just said center, some people might not get that. Like my sister today, I told her I was interviewing Austin Fife. I said I'm interviewing the center today. And she, I asked her what sport, and she said, football, obviously. Well, no, football has a center, yes, of course. But this is Austin Fife, the center for the UNI basketball team. UNI had a very successful season this past year, ended shorter than expected, losing to Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament and not getting any postseason action due to the coronavirus. We're going to talk about that, talk about his injury history, talk about his illness that he suffered his sophomore year, his true sophomore year, on what kept him out the entire season, his personal goals, stuff like that. So stay tuned for that coming up. That should be posted sometime around 2.30 today. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, we got all of that taken care of for you today. This is the last little segment of the Logan Blackman Show. We talked for an hour and 28 minutes straight or something along that. So I'm a little tired. I've been using my vocal cords a lot recently. I used them for four hours straight last night to uh, watch the draft and do the whole live stream thing that we did. And that was taxing. I got tired after a while. Talking for four hours straight is hard. And then going, waking up the next day and doing a two-hour podcast doesn't make it very easy on the vocal cords. So I got cough drops and everything around me. And I had to get him out and do with me, otherwise I'm gonna I was gonna die. I'm gonna crash sometime today. I gotta go to bed at like nine o'clock tonight. I am so tired. I haven't gotten any sleep the past few days. So yeah, we'll be <laughs> we'll be focusing on that tonight. But we'll also be focusing on night two of the NFL draft. For those of you who don't know, night one of the NFL draft is just first rounders. So you'll only see the first round in night one of the NFL draft. Night two you will have the second and third rounds. And going into night three, you will have the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. The Saturday's a trek. Saturday's, that one's hard to watch all of it. I have done it for about the last three or four years watching every round of the draft. It is taxing. But you know what? It's fun. You get to find out where these college kids' futures lie and it's just a lot of fun to watch. I enjoy watching it. So last night, as I said earlier, as most of the first hour was dedicated to, actually, not most, all of the first hour was dedicated to, or first hour and a half was dedicated to, night one of the 2020 NFL Draft. We went through each pick, compared it to my mock draft, and then graded each pick as well. So we read through the order like three times, which I guess is repetitive and annoying, but you know what? It's whatever. So night two... You can catch the draft, I'm guessing, around 6 o'clock. I honestly don't know what time night two starts. Ugh. Okay, that's not very good. I 7 or 6. I'll need to check the TV later because I'm not... I got my phone out right now, and I'm not really looking to search around my phone while holding the microphone at the same time. But 
Night two will start much like last night with the Cincinnati Bengals picking first and followed by the Indianapolis Colts, Detroit Lions, New York Giants, and New England Patriots. That's your first five picks of night two of the NFL draft. Teams that did not have a first-round pick that will be picking the second round. The Houston Texans' first pick of the draft will be at pick 40, so stay tuned for that. The Chicago Bears have pick 43. That's their first second-round pick, and their next one's followed by pick number 50. Pick 43 is coming from the Las Vegas Raiders in that Khalil Mack trade that they did a few years ago, so 43 and 50 for all you Bears fans out there. The Pittsburgh Steelers will be picking one spot before the Bears at pick number 49, so stay tuned for that one for all you Steelers fans out there. The Los Angeles Rams will have pick 52 tonight. The Buffalo Bills will have the 54th pick in the second round. The Rams are up again at 57 for their second second round pick of the night, and those are all your teams that have not had draft picks yet. Night uh, round three will start off with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Redskins will be back on the clock. They don't have a second-round pick. They'll be back on the clock at pick 66 later tonight. And then we also look at this pick 69. The pick that everybody loves is the Carolina Panthers. Congratulations with the 69th pick in the draft. Carolina the Patriots will be on the clock again at 71. They have a lot of third-round picks. I believe they have three third-round picks, or maybe I'm just I'm probably just imagining it. I really don't know. But I'm just imagining the Raiders have back-to-back picks at 80 and 81 in the second draft with pick 81 coming from the Chicago Bears. The Los Angeles Rams back on the clock again at 84. The Bills have the 86th pick, followed by the New England Patriots at 87. The Minnesota Vikings have the 89th pick. The Texans have the 90th. Green Bay Packers have the 94th pick. And then we get in the compensatory picks with the Browns, Patriots. So they do have three third-round picks. Actually, four. At pick 100, the Patriots up again. So four third-round picks for the New England Patriots. And the Seahawks at 101. Steelers, Eagles, Rams, Vikings, and Ravens round out tonight with the compensatory picks at the back end of the third round. Second round's where you fill out your roster. Like, that's the those are the people that usually come on the roster and they fill certain needs. They're not guaranteed starting spots, but they're players you value and that could instantly improve your team. So you'll look like... Maybe a starting quarter. If a team wants a starting quarterback but don't want to use a first-round pick to get him, you can look at picks in the second round. You look at, like, the Bengals used it on Andy Dalton. Um, the Raiders used it on Derek Carr. The Jaguars used it used a sixth-round pick on Gardner Minshew. Drew Brees is a second-round pick. So, like, you look at the a lot of quarterbacks around the league are late-round picks, second, third-round picks. There might be – there's more – but I can't think. Kirk Cousins, I think, was a fifth-round pick. I feel that's right, but I'm not 100% sure. Russell Wilson was a third-round pick, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Lamar Jackson was almost a second-round pick, last pick in the first round in 2018 in pick number 32, for those of you who don't know what the last pick of the draft is. So with that being said, let's look at some needs for the top five teams in the second round. Again, the top five teams in the second round are the Bengals, Colts, Lions, Giants, and Patriots. New England Patriots got the 37th pick from the LA Chargers, who traded back into the first round to get Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma. Great pick for the LA Chargers, in my opinion. Shoring up their defense, getting a tackler in there, something they have struggled for for a while, along with getting their franchise quarterback of the future and Justin Herbert. So now the top five here 
Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have a few needs on the roster. Now, you look at their offense. Their offense is actually pretty solid. I'm not going to lie. You look at their offense outside. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green's going to be back. A.J. Green sat out all of last season, so he should be fully healthy and ready to go. Joe Mixon, very talented running back. It's a lot of carries. And you still have Andy Dalton there. ease Joe Burrow into the starting lineup, into the starting job, which is very smart by Cincinnati on holding on to him. I did think he would go to the Chicago Bears. Other than the Bears, I really didn't know where Andy Dalton would go. I think it is smart, though, for the Bengals to take keep Dalton on. Familiar with the city, familiar with the organization, and would ease Joe Burrow into the starting job. Andy Dalton, very nice guy. I don't think he's worried about it. I think he knows that his time in Cincinnati is up and will take this with grace, I guess you could say. But the Bengals, one thing they desperately need is to get more help in the offensive line. If you look at their team, they drafted Jonah Williams last year, but they're over, he didn't play all of last year. He had a shoulder injury, was out the entire season. Did not play a single snap. You got Billy Price two years ago with your first-round pick um, getting a center from Iowa State. I think it was at pick 21 or something like that with Frank, Fra- Frank Ragnow from Arkansas going the pick before him at center to the Lions. The, the Bengals, I'm getting all my cats wrangled up here. Uh, the Bengals were talking about looking at Austin Jackson the offensive tackle from USC who ended up going number 18 the Miami Dolphins. That was a player they were looking at and possibly trading back into the first round to get is what reports were saying. You could look at them going after an interior lineman as well. Uh, Chessenberry, I believe is his name, from LSU. One of the better interior offensive linemen. Easily the second best behind Cesar Ruiz who went number 24 overall to the New Orleans Saints. I think those are options there. And then you look at Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland to get another tackle in there. Ezra Cleveland, the more athletic of the two tackles. But Josh Jones brings a lot of experience to the offensive line. Started 44-45 times at offensive tackle while playing at Houston, which brings in a lot of experience in there. But he's not as athletic as Ezra Cleveland. He's not as athletic as Austin Jackson, which is why Jackson went to Miami at 18. Athletics, athletic ability, versatility, and potential are what teams look for in skill positions or other positions outside the quarterback position. You want them to do multiple things. Like if you look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire, first running back off the board, is he was he better in college than Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins? Probably not. Probably not. Jonathan Taylor was probably the best running back in college football last year. But he can do multiple things. Same thing with DeAndre Swift. Less rushing yards than those two. But they can catch the ball to the backfield much better than that. They are versatile running backs. You look at the first wide receiver taken. Henry Ruggs can do multiple things, bring speed, doesn't drop the ball. He dropped one pass at Alabama. He is an alpha. He can return kicks. He has speed. I don't know if he returned kicks at Alabama, but he has the ability to. Versatility. He brings other things to the table. You look at uh, Brandon Ayuk. Like, if you look at what we talked about in my mock draft, especially what we talked about earlier in the show with Denzel Mims comparing him to Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims is a very good vertical threat. He has the size, the speed, the hops, the athletic ability to be a legit vertical threat in the NFL. But the thing is, that's not the only thing we had to look at here. Yes, he's a better vertical threat. Jeez, again, the Mountain Dew is kicking up. He's, not a, he's a better vertical threat than Brandon Ayuk, arguably, but he's not a better route runner. 
Brandon Ayuk also possesses the returning ability to return punts at Arizona State. He's a little thicker than, a little shorter and stockier than Denzel Mims. But I think the the route tree is what makes him so valuable there over Denzel Mims, who has kind of rotated in and out with Ayuk with me a lot. I could not decide whether it was going to be Mims or Ayuk. One of them was not going to be in the first round, and one of them was. And I went with Mims against my better judgment, and that's my bad. I have admitted that in hour one, and I still think I'm stupid for it because I even put it in the experience thing. I put it in the reasoning. I still didn't think about it. But So this versatility, Xavier McKinney, last year, Grant Delpit won the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in college football. Not Brandon, not Xavier McKinney, but you know why Xavier McKinney is rated higher on everybody's draft board than Grant Delpit is because he played both corner and safety, and he's a better tackler than Xavier McK- than uh, Grant Delpit, which is why Austin Jackson went before Josh Jones. So will the Bengals here take the Josh Jones, who brings a lot of college experience and a lot of starts at Houston at left tackle? Or would they go with the Ezra Cleveland type, the much better athlete, more versatile player than Josh Jones? My gut's telling me Josh Jones, but if I just go off what I said, then I would say Ezra Cleveland will be the first offensive player taken in the second round of the NFL draft. I think he provides that versatility, playing pretty much, he can play everywhere on the offensive line. He brings a lot of athleticism, which is why I had him going in the first round to the Cleveland Browns. So I think he might very well be the first player taken off the board in round two. Other positions of need for the Bengals, if you look at their defense, uh, look at an edge rusher maybe. Maybe get uh, Yatir Gross-Matos here. Be a solid pickup there. A.J. Epineza might be a sneaky selection there. Maybe they take Xavier McKinney, one of the safeties. Their secondary is not great. Their defense is not very good. I think the Bengals are going to want to improve their offense, though. They're going to go off the Chiefs model of just building a strong offense and worrying about the defense later. They did get Trey Waynes this offseason to help get a solid corner in there. And he's just about solid. I don't know. He's barely solid corner. (laughs) I've made fun of Trey Waynes for years. And same with my Vikings friends even make fun of Trey Waynes. But with this first pick, if I'm making a prediction right now, it's Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland. Oh, my God. Um... We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts here at number two in the second round. I think it's Denzel Mims here. I think it's either Mims, Chenault, or Higgins. I think it's one of the wide receivers. Uh, You look at each wide receiver. Mims, we've already talked about Mims enough. We're not going to do that again. Chenault is one of my favorite players in the draft when he's healthy. That's the thing. He has missed a lot of playing time at Colorado. He is basically a stronger version of Sammy Watkins. They are pretty much the same player. They even got dreadlocks. Like, they're versatile. They did everything. If you look at Sammy Watkins in college, he was the fourth overall pick in the draft. Like, he could ball out in college. He was the better of the two wide receivers between him and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, Sammy Watkins was awesome in college. That was like Chenault did everything in the offense. Would play wildcat, would play running back, would play wide receiver, would return punts, return kick, do everything for Colorado's offense. But Sammy wasn't injury-prone until he got into the NFL. Chenault's injury-prone in college. That's the thing that could scare people away. He's very versatile, though. But the injury-prone thing is big there. And T. Higgins 
kind of fell off some draft boards a little bit as we got closer to the draft. After the combine, you stopped kind of seeing T. Higgins in the first round. It was like right after the national championship game, you had T. Higgins going borderline top 20 with some people, including myself, going number 22 to the Buffalo Bills. That's what a lot of people had. Some people had him going before Henry Ruggs, which is kind of crazy to think about it now since Ruggs was the first receiver off the board in this draft. So the Colts, I feel Mims, Chenault, or uh, who was the other guy? Higgins. One of those guys. Or we could see a mystery pick of them going Jacob Eason here, the quarterback from Washington. Phillip Rivers, is not. he signed a one-year deal. He's not going to play five more years in the NFL. He's not going to play five years for the Indianapolis Colts. Much like the Saints, I think they need to get a guy that can replace him. I love Jacoby Brissett, but Jacoby Brissett's not the guy for the future. I think Jacoby Brissett somehow finds his way back in New England. That's just what my gut's telling me. And I don't think, like, he was so good at the start of the season. And then he tallied off so fast and just dropped like a rock. I, he's, I don't think he's the future for the Colts. They get a guy, I think Jacob Eason would be a very nice pick, but they might have fears of Jeff George again. Very strong arm, questions on character. It's just maybe another Jeff George for Indy, but I don't think they're worried about that. I think he's good enough to be a higher second-round pick. He'll probably, it's it's between him and Jalen Hurts for the next quarterback taken, and I think the Colts would value a quarterback like Jalen Jacob Eason more than a Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is the type of quarterback that would fit in in Baltimore. I think you could see him fitting. I'm looking at the first-round teams right now. I had the Chargers taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. That's why I had them taking Andrew Thomas here. I thought Jalen Hurts would fit in what they do down there in Los Angeles. Get Andrew Thomas, get Jalen Hurts in the second round. It's a very solid draft. I like the draft the Chargers have done, so I'm not, I'm not complaining about the Chargers draft. I'm not bashing the Chargers draft. That's just what I would. That was what my one of my gut feelings was. If you look at other teams that could use quarterbacks like that, maybe ugh. I think the Bucks could look at Jacob Eason as well. So look out for Tampa Bay to look at Jacob Eason. I think the Patriots like Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm just seems like a New England Patriot quarterback. He just does. Not the strongest arm, but he's a winner. He won a co- he won in college. He went to the national championship game as a freshman. Now, they didn't win it, but he went to the national championship game. Won a lot of games without Georgia. Won a lot of games. Uh, who else could be looking at a possible? The Cowboys, he's a Dak Prescott clone. They played the exact same way in college. Watch Dak Prescott highlights in college. He was not this passing quarterback that he is now. If you look at Dak Prescott in college, you would not have envisioned that he would one day be in top five passing yard leaders in the NFL. He, is Jay- he was Jalen Hurts at Mississippi State. And Mississippi State was very good for about like half a season and they dropped off really fast at the end of the year. Who else would be looking at him? That's about it, I would say, for my taste. Maybe maybe the Seahawks. Maybe. Very similar to Russell Wilson, but not as good of a thrower as Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a talent, very talented thrower out of, out of Wisconsin. Yeah, so look at those two quarterbacks to be battling for the top spot out of those two quarterbacks. Out of the first, next quarterback taken, it's going to be either Eason or Hurts. That's what my gut says. But the Colts, they have two second-round picks. I feel like they would take the receiver here first and the quarterback in their second second-round pick. At pick 50, I think it is. 
No, that's the Bears. Who? Where? Where's the Colts' next pick? Uh, the Indianapolis Colts' next pick's 44. I think they could definitely get that quarterback here because if you look at the teams that are before them, who we haven't mentioned, Panthers, Dolphins, Texans, Browns, Jaguars, Bears. I don't think any of them are taking a quarterback in the second round. Uh, maybe the Bears shock us. The Col- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right behind them at 45, though. So the Bucs could easily jump the Colts to get Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason fits what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want to do. He's a he is a if Bruce Arians was dreaming up a quarterback, he would pick, he would make Jacob Eason. That's just what he would do. He would Jacob Eason is the prototypical Bruce Arians quarterback, and I think he'd fit in very well. So look for the Bucks to trade above the Colts if the Colts don't take a quarterback at number thirty four. If they think they can get one at forty four, watch the for the Bucks to trade up with one of the teams behind them. So I think the Colts will go wide receiver here. Mims, Higgins, Chenault. My gut says Mims, though. Very nice vertical threat. Again, doesn't possess the route tree that the others have, but I think he would pair nicely with T.Y. Hilton. But if you want a bigger guy, I would go after T. Higgins. T.Y. is a little short guy. Mims is not short. Mims is 6'3". So I, I, it could work out. It could work out. Uh, the Lions, I think they take Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackle from TCU. He is um, the next best defensive tackle in this draft behind the likes of Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. Those were the top two by far. Unquestionably the top two. Derek Brown missed five tackles his entire career at Auburn. He missed one tackle last year. All right, wait, was it no tackles or one tackle? I saved it on my camera roll. Uh, Derek Brown, he hasn't missed a tackle since week 11 of 2018. He's only missed five tackles at Auburn. So he was obviously the number one. Kinlaw was obviously the number two. I think Blacklock, and you can look at Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma's up there as well. I think he's number four, but a close number four behind Blacklock. But I think the Lions will look at Ross Blacklock there at number 35. The Giants uh, get the edge rusher. I would take you to your gross mottos here. If not gross mottos, look for a Zach Bond to come off the board here. Or Troy Day, I think that's his name, from Oregon. I think that's his name. Uh, but I think Gross Manos is the best player available at when the Lions come up to pick. I think he's the best player available. So look for Gross Manos, maybe Zach Bond to come off the board here at number 36. And the Patriots, I think this one was a lot. I thought about doing this in the second round or in the my mock draft. Here's what I had. I had this trade set up. I had the Packers trading up above the Saints with the Patriots to get Jordan Love, but I can't. I exited out. Because the Patriots at number 30, it would be less of a risk to take Cole Komet at 30 than 23, and especially less of a risk at 37 and not 23. Cole Komet, I think, is the guy they're looking at here. Patriots need a tight end in the worst way. They just traded Gronk. They didn't really replace Gronk last year when he was retired. Now they need to get a guy, and Cole Komet is the best tight end in this draft class. Look at, I think, Bryant from Florida Atlantic is another one that could possibly look at here. I think Cole Komet, out of all of the tight ends, this is not a particularly strong tight end class. Let's just say that first. It's not like the draft class a few years ago where you had O.J. Howard, uh, Evan Ingram, David Njoke all going in the first round. Like We have no first-round tire last year. Hawkinson and Fant going in the first round. We don't have that. Cole Komet, the first tight end off the board at 37, I think is a borderline lock, I will say. Borderline lock. So here's what I have the top five picks of the second round. I have the Bengals taking either Josh Jones or Ezra Cleveland. 
Ezra Cleveland's my gut feeling because he provides more versatility, but I would not be surprised if Josh Jones, because of the experience he has in college. You look at the Colts at number 34. I think it's Denzel Mims from Baylor. I think he's the best wide receiver available left right at this point. I think he's the best receiver in the draft. Higgins, um, Chenault, KJ Hamler are all close behind those guys, but those are my top three receivers, and I think Mims is the number one guy out of those guys. Ross Blacklock, I'm more comfortable predicting the 35, 36, 37 than I am 33 and 34. Uh, 33, the Lions, or 35, the Lions. Ross Blacklock from Tennessee, or Tennessee, TCU. They need, they need, they need a defensive tackle. That's why they're constantly linked with Derrick Brown in the draft. Get your starting corner. Now get your defensive tackle. You aced this draft, essentially. If they turn out to be good, maybe Neville Gallimore is the pick there as well. Giants, your tier gross mottos, Zach Bond, or I think his name's Greenland or Greenwood. I can't remember what his last name is. From Tennessee. I heard he was rising up some draft boards late, much like Jalen Rager, rising up some draft boards and getting into an earlier spot than originally expected. That's what I think could happen here. But I think Gross Monos is just too good to pass up. I think the Giants are very shocked he fell to the second round. And they will jump all over him at pick number 36. And the New England Patriots, Cole Komet. I'm very close to just guaranteeing that pick. I am very, very close to guaranteeing that New England Patriots just select Cole Komet with that second round pick. He just fits what the Patriots need. They need a tight end. I think also positions you could look at the linebacker spot is a position of need. Maybe they look at a quarterback. Maybe they look at an edge rusher. But I think Cole Komet, with all the players they have on their board, I think he's the best one available for the positions they need. For the positions they need, I think Cole Komet makes the most sense for the New England Patriots. Now, I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. Maybe the Patriots don't want to take Cole Komet. Maybe they want to take Bryant from Florida Atlantic or the Washington tight end. I can't remember his name. Maybe that's what's going on here. But that is my top five order for tonight in the start of the second round. Again, Bengals, Colts, Lions, Giants, Patriots will start us off in the second round. And then we got the compensatory picks at the end of the third with the Browns, Pats, Giants, Pats again, Seahawks, Steelers, Eagles, Rams, Vikings, and Ravens. Ravens will have the last pick of the third round at pick 106 with the Bengals with the first round or first pick of the second round at 30. Three. Got a lot of picks there. 33 to 106. Got a lot of picks in there. And the Bengals tomorrow will start us off at 107 with the Redskins following up after that at 108. So I'm very excited for that. Dra- draft day two, again, is where you get like the team. That's how you build your team. You get your the main guy in the first round, and then you build your team in the later rounds. That's how the draft works. You build a squad through the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Usually just second through fourth, or like usually second through fifth, maybe, are like the squad building teams. You get a a world-class athlete in round one, you build your squad in round two. A lot of teams like to trade back out of the first round to get second round picks. They feel there's just as good a player in the second round. You could get a guy like Yatir Grossmanis, who a lot of people thought would be a first round pick, in the second round. Trayvon Diggs could be another one. AJ Epineza sliding down boards ever since the combine. After the last season was over, he was consistently going number 16 to the Falcons. 
Like, that's all you saw was A.J. Epineza going 16 to the Falcons. And then after that, when he went to the Combine and put up a stanker in the Combine, he his draft stock took a plummet after the Combine. He just wasn't good. He just had a terrible Combine. Not, I love Epineza. He's a player. He's a football player. So maybe that's what the Patriots look at here. Patriots have never been a guy, a team that looks at numbers on the combines. They like what you did on the field. So Epineza really could be a perfect fit there for the New England Patriots. Very physical guy could replace Trey Flowers, which they have still yet to do. Add another edge rusher because they lost Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. Collins went to the Lions. Van Noy went to the Dolphins. You got a division rival and the new Patriots of the NFC in the Lions. We're just copying everything the New England Patriots do. They literally drafted a, Glo- a Gronk clone last year in TJ Hawkinson, who had a didn't have a great rookie year, but expect him to get better as time goes on. But look at Epineza possibly for the New England Patriots, and that would make me very upset because Epineza is an absolute beast. And I don't really want to judge people off just what they did at the Combine. You can please rock and anchor their draft stock if they don't do well at the Combine. Look at Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown ran a 40 time that was ex- historically slow. Dropped to the third round. He was a pro bowler this year. Orlando Brown was a first round pick before that. I'm just curious, what does a 40 yard dash time have to do with a lineman's draftability? Like you have him in a first round, he runs a 5-6-4. I can't remember what he ran. 5-9-40. He ran something ridiculously slow. And you just anchor his draft stock. But he went on to become the be a starter on the Ravens and wear his dad's old number because his dad played for the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah. It's just weird. Ebenezer could be a perfect guy for the Patriots. I feel bad for him because he didn't test very good. Actually, I feel kind of bad for him and not kind of bad because he didn't test good, but I don't feel like that should be the ultimate judge of if he can play in the NFL or not, which I think he can. Ebenezer was an absolute beast in college, was constantly talked about as the second best defensive end in the country, right behind Chase Young, who went number two overall to the Redskins. It was Chase Young and Ebenezer. Ebenezer dominated college teams as a backup to Parker Hesse. Craziness. Craziness. I feel bad for him. My top players of the second round, though, if we're looking at who I think's the best available players, not necessarily who I think the teams will take. Like I said, you got the Bengals, Colts, Lions, Giants, Patriots. They might not have a team need where I think this player could go. Uh, my top players that could, are going to be available in the second round, early in the second round, um, Ezra Cleveland, I think, is a very good tackle, very athletic tackle, who has been borderline first-round pick the entire draft process. And as the Browns started talking about possibly trading back, A lot of people, a lot of notable faces out there said that the Browns really liked Ezra Cleveland and were looking to trade back to get more picks because they're analytically driven by Andrew Barry, their new GM. And analytically driven people love themselves some draft picks. And that was the best way to do it. Trade back, get Ezra Cleveland, still get a top left tackle. That's what I thought they would do. So Ezra Cleveland is one of those players atop my quote-unquote big board. Yatir Gross Matos is another one. I am kind of shocked he fell to the second round. He has what some people call the body of a Greek god. He is everything you look for in an edge rusher. He is six foot five, like 265 pounds, 
with speed, length, and athleticism just to get after the, like, I thought it was a slam dunk pick for the Seattle Seahawks, but I guess not. They went with Jordan Brooks instead. So he's another one. Xavier McKinney is my best safety available. I think the Patriots could take Xavier McKinney there as well. Patriots, for being the New England Patriots, do have quite a bit of needs. Xavier McKinney would fill a need at safety, but do I think they'll take? I still think Cole Komet is the pick there, but they have other four. They have a bunch of third round picks, another second round pick, so they could take Komet at any time. If they want McKinney or Epineza, take him there. Speaking of Epineza, there's another one. One of my best players in the second round, Ross Blacklock, another one as well. Jalen Johnson is one there as well, who I thought would go in the first round, but I understand completely why he didn't. He has all the talent in the world to go in the first round, but his shoulder injury, that shoulder shoulder surgery that he had in March made him fall out of the first round, which is fair. I understand why they did it, but it's sad to see that because he's a very talented player, and I really enjoyed watching some of his highlights. I thought he would go a little sooner than what he is going. I had him either going 32 or 22. I was torn between Jeff Gladney for the Vikings and Jalen Johnson for the Vikings. The other one was going to go to the Chiefs in my last mock draft. But that didn't happen. But those are some of my best players in the draft. I think out of the quarterbacks, as I said, I think Eason and Hurts are the only two that will go in the second round. I think sneakily, Jake Fromm could sneak into the second round. But I don't really see that happening. But I think Hurts and Eason are locks to go in the second round. Josh Jones, again, I forgot to mention him. He's another one up there as well, and all the wide receivers that I mentioned here earlier, and all of the running backs. I think all of the, the top three running backs left are Swift, Dobbins, and Jonathan Taylor. They will all go in the second round. They will all go in the second round. I'm kind of surprised Swift dropped to the second round. I thought he would, if the Chiefs took a running back, I thought it would be Swift. But again, like I said earlier, makes sense that it is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Great back ca- ca- pass-catching back. Look for the Buccaneers to possibly move for a DeAndre Swift there would fit what they do there, who don't really have a running game. I know Ronald Jones uh, kind of kind of tried to say that he's a good running back again, like he was at USC with a late burst last year, but I still think you need an upgrade at running back. Look at what Trey Mason did with the St. Louis Rams. He had himself a very nice year. The next year, they drafted Todd Gurley. DeAndre Swift, if you can upgrade a running back, your running back's going to have a good year, if you can get an upgrade, I think that's what the Chiefs do with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Damian, jo- Damian Williams had himself a good year last year. He should have probably won the Super Bowl MVP. But they can upgrade. He's a home run hitter. He's one of those running backs. I think Ronald Jones, though he had a good second half of the season last year, I think the Buccaneers still need to improve on that. I think if I thought Clyde edwards would go to the Buccaneers with Swift going to the Chiefs, we're just going to have to flip that. Bucks, I think they could go after... Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or Jacob Easton. I think they're going after one of the backs in this draft. I think they're going after one of those guys, whether it be Easton or Swift. So look out for all of that coming up in the second round. Again, second and third round tonight. Make sure you stay tuned for that because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Everybody loves watching the draft. At least, well, I shouldn't say everybody. There's quite a bit of people that love watching the I love watching the draft. And after the draft, Tyler and I were talking about this last night towards the end of the first round. Do like a talk about things we're not doing the full live thing again for the second round second day of the draft that's not happening we talked for four hours straight last night it is not happening to where we are doing another mock draft video that that thing is not happening again 
for this for the rest of the draft. Maybe next it will it might happen next year. It's not happening again this year. It's not. It's not possible. My throat is going to be raw after today. I still got to do an interview with Austin Fife, so make sure again you stay tuned for the Austin Fife interview because that should be very fun to listen to. Um, again, that'll be out around two thirty. This podcast should be out around one, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Well, obviously. You're staying tuned for that because you're listening to it now. It's obviously after 1 o'clock when I put this thing out. And, yeah, I think that's all I got today. I just wanted to recap the draft, talk a little bit about the second round. Yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. Before we go, though, we have to do a Logan Blackman Show tradition and talk about the weather. So right now, in Urbandale, Iowa, it is 61 degrees and cloudy. There is a 10% chance of rain. Wind coming to the east, northeast at 12 miles an hour. Feels like 57. Air quality is good. Good. It's going to be 66 and 67 this Saturday and Sunday with rain expected on Monday, thunderstorm on Tuesday, and rain again on Wednesday. But it's going to be 75, so it's going to be humid on Monday and then Tuesday, 71 and thunderstorms. It's going to be tough. We've got sun next Thursday after the rain. So that is good. If you're up in Cedar Falls, 55 degrees and partly cloudy. High is going to be 60 later today. Chance of rain, 10 miles an hour. Winds coming out of the northeast at 11 miles an hour. Feels like 52. Air quality is moderate. In Cedar Falls, it'll be 66 both Saturday and Sunday. Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, much like here in Urbandale. Rain, thunderstorm, rain, and then sun on Thursday. So have a good time out while it's sunny. Or just not just not raining. You guys, if I'm guessing if you're around here, around Urbandale or the Des Moines area, you saw the random the sun shower that we had where it just poured down rain for like 10, 15 minutes with no clouds in the sky. Like it was so weird. And now it's cloudy again, but yeah, I think that's all I got for you today here on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show. We'll have some mock dra- or talk draft stuff again to tonight, possibly. And again, tomorrow, if you want to watch the draft again, NBC or um, ABC, ESPN, NFL network, all have that, so go watch that. If you want more of the college ranks, you got the college game day crew is going to be on ABC with like Kirk Herbstreet and all those guys. You want the NFL aspect, go to the NFL Network and ESPN. They'll have Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kiper, Kurt Warner. All of those guys will be on there. Bucky Brooks, I think, was on. I didn't really pay attention to the broadcast last night. I just paid attention to the picks because we were <laughs> I was just staring at the phone the entire night. But, yeah, stay tuned for another live video. If you want to join it, join it. It should be fun. Give your questions and thoughts and opinions in the little comment section below. And with that being said, go follow the Logan Blackman Show accounts. This will be up soon. Follow on the Spotify and SoundCloud account. I will see you guys later. I am peacing out for this Friday. Be back on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday. Stay tuned for the Austin Fife interview. And I will see you later. Peace.